Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. like to hear some good news for a change? Well, we're glad that you joined us at Anchor Point today because today's message is all about good news. In fact, it's the best news that you'll ever hear, and it's found in one verse. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And it was written by the Apostle Paul himself, a man who at one time hated and persecuted the Christians. He actually put them into prison and consented to their torture and death. What was it that changed such a man to become a believer who himself would die because of his love for the Lord Jesus Christ? In today's message, evangelist Mr. John Grant looks at this verse in some detail, and he makes five main points. How it is that the gospel is reliable how it is beneficial to its hearers, how it is historically accurate, how it is vital for our eternal well-being, and how it is personal. Yes, it's personal. We trust that this message will help you to make the truths of the gospel personal for your own soul. And so we're turning to the first letter to Timothy, chapter number 1 and verse number 15. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. When we speak about the preaching of the gospel, we are actually using a word that means good news. And the gospel that we are preaching tonight is indeed good news for everyone who listens to it and obeys it. And so we are turning our attention this evening to the best news that this world has ever had, and the greatest news that any individual can ever hear. We are turning our attention to the preaching of the good news of the grace and of the goodness of God. I want us this evening to understand how vital it is that we pay attention to what God has to say. If I do nothing else, I want you to at least carry the echo of this verse away in your heart. I want you to carry the echo of this verse away in your mind, so that it doesn't leave it. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. I want to look at four or five things that we find in this verse this evening, and with the time at our disposal, we will seek to express to you as simply as possible the best news, as I said earlier, that this world has ever heard. We start simply with the expression, this is a faithful saying. You know, I could just as accurately phrase this in a slightly different way. I could say instead of this is a faithful saying, I could say this is a reliable statement. And the first thing I want you to notice about the gospel, which is expressed in that opening phrase, is it is a message that is reliable. We are preaching the reliable 
message of the gospel. You see, when we're dealing with eternal issues, it's absolutely vital that we deal with what is reliable. And I can tell you this evening one or two reasons why we can stand honestly and say that this message is reliable. The first thing I want you to notice about it is that it has stood the test of time. This message has been preached for 2,000 years, and it has stood the changing views and the changing fashions and the changing doctrines that have appeared and crossed the pathway of human history. But this message, the gospel, stands absolutely firm. It has stood the test of time. We are not asking you to believe a message that has been dreamed up in the past hundred years, nor in the past hundred hours. This message of the gospel is reliable because it has stood the test of time. I want to tell you secondly that we can say that this message is reliable because it was the personal experience of the writer of these words. I want you to notice that. It was the personal experience of the Apostle Paul who wrote these words. He knew it in his own soul. He had experienced it in his own life. He had come to know the truth in his own day. And thus he says, I've proven it. I've proven it. And so you see, it was proven because the preacher, the teacher, the man who wrote these words, had indeed accepted the gospel many years before. But I want to give you a third reason why we know it's reliable. We are not dealing with second-hand experience here. It is reliable because many in this hall this evening have proven it to be true. The preacher has proven it to be true. And it is reliable this evening because in our own experience, we know that this gospel works. It is not cunningly devised fables. It is a message that works and has gripped and changed the lives of billions. So I tell you, it is with complete confidence that we tell you this evening that this message of the gospel is absolutely reliable. The man who wrote this was a religious man. He was a man who spent his life engaged in the business of religion. He was a man who had indeed arrested Christians and hailed them to prison, men and women. He was a man who was opposed to anything that was concerned with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he met him on the road to Damascus in the business of arresting and imprisoning Christians. He met the risen Christ. From that moment it was changed. Friends, tonight we preach a life-changing, eternity-changing gospel. There are so many messages in the world today, so many views, so much that proves false, that it is a great occasion to turn to something that is absolutely reliable. And therefore we preach it, this is a reliable statement. The second thing I want you to notice about this verse is that the Apostle Paul says, and worthy of all acceptation. I want to tell you this evening that this message we will see is not only reliable, but in the phrase to which I've now directed your attention, we will see that this is a message that's beneficial. So that's the second characteristics of the gospel. It is reliable and it is beneficial. That means it does you good. Listen to what the verse says. Worthy of all acceptation. It is worth accepting it in all its fullness. We do not bring to you a message and you can 
cherry pick. You can pick up bits and pieces of it. We don't bring you a message this evening that you can simply choose what part you want. We are not here to pander to your ideas of God. We are not here to pander to your ideas about sin or the lack of it. We are here to preach a message that has to be accepted in its complete entirety. You cannot pick up one bit and ignore the other. The gospel comes as one whole, total, complete message. And it is worthy of complete and total acceptance. I wonder this evening if you've ever accepted it. If there's ever come a time when you've been prepared to believe what God has to say. I wonder about that. This message is reliable and this message is beneficial. We would not preach it if we did not think it to be beneficial. And I tell you this evening, it is worth acceptance by absolutely everyone. And it is worth acceptance in its totality. I'm going to preach tonight a Christ who died on Calvary. You cannot have the gospel without that. I'm going to preach tonight that the heart of man is desperately wicked. And you can't get the gospel apart from that. I'm going to preach tonight that it's necessary to put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ for eternity. You cannot have a gospel without that. You cannot slice it up and take the bits you like. I'm going to preach tonight a gospel that tells you that God loves you. But I'm going to tell you about a God who abhors and hates sin. And you cannot have a gospel without that. Friends, tonight this gospel comes as one complete package. One complete message. It is worth total, complete acceptance. And so this evening we tell you that the gospel is reliable. And the gospel is acceptable in its entirety, in its totality. And we will preach that tonight. I don't know what dealings you've had with God. I don't know if you've ever given him a thought. But I tell you tonight, you've come to the place where there is a message. And it's reliable. And it's acceptable in its totality. I want you to notice, please, the third thing that the Apostle Paul says. That Christ Jesus came into the world. This message is historical. It is historical. This message preaches a gospel about a man who lived 2,000 years ago. He is not today just a figment of past history. I want to tell you that the Lord Jesus who came from heaven is none other than the Son of God. We stand on that unequivocally. We do not change from that because the Word of God teaches us that the Savior who came from heaven is none other than the Son of God. I want to tell you he lived here a life of 33 years and over, and it was a life of absolute holiness, a life of complete devotion to his God, a life that left behind men and women blessed by his presence, blessed by his teaching, blessed by his touch. The Christ of the Bible is not just a historical Jesus. These are historical facts. But the Christ of the Bible went to the cross of Calvary and died on behalf of others. And that death is the very crux, the very center of the Christian message. It is the very work that enables me tonight to preach and say 
that salvation is offered to every sinner tonight. And I want to take you just for a moment or two to the cross of Calvary, because this message is based also on historical fact. The Gospels as we have them are accurate, historically accurate. I want us to understand what happened that night. The Lord Jesus was arrested one evening. It would be somewhat between midnight and one o'clock in the morning. He was arrested in a place called the Garden of Gethsemane, arrested by the Jewish temple authorities who would not countenance his teaching because his teaching struck right at the heart of all the malpractices which they performed. He was taken to be judged in the middle of the night. He appeared and was judged on six occasions. Four judges sat in judgment over him. That means he stood before two of them twice. And on six occasions, they examined in detail the case against Jesus of Nazareth, and they condemned him to death. Even though the Roman procurator, the Roman governor of Judea, proclaimed him to be innocent, they condemned him to death. They had no time for the Savior. I wonder if I'm speaking to somebody tonight, and in your life, in your days, you have had no time for the Savior. You've shut him out. You've refused to consider his word. You've said, I'll do it my way. I want to tell you, the singer who sang that little realized that you don't do it your way. You either do it the gospel way, or you do it the way that the adversary, the devil himself, chooses. There's no third choice. And I wonder if I'm speaking to somebody tonight, and you've never come to terms. Oh, you've heard it. But it's just been something to listen to, and to go back out to that world. And you know, as you've listened to the gospel, you've said, I want to get back out to real life. I want to tell you tonight, friends, listen, and listen well, this is real life. This is what's real. And I want to grip your soul tonight if you're not saved. We'll, we'll speak about salvation in a moment. We're dealing tonight with the reality of the condition of the souls of men and women, and the reality of a coming judgment before which you will stand if you refuse to accept the gospel. This is real life. This is no fantasy. Not only did the Lord Jesus teach the truth, the Lord Jesus told us that he is the truth. And if you want truth, if you want truth, you turn to the gospel. These facts are historically true. They said, we won't have this to reign over us. And you know what they did? They took him, condemned him to death at six o'clock in the morning, took him out to crucify him at Calvary, nailed him to a cross and lifted him up on a cross at nine o'clock in the morning. At twelve noon, there descended over this world an impenetrable darkness. And for three hours, no human eye could look on the man on the center cross. Such was the darkness. At three o'clock in the afternoon, he bowed his head and sent his spirit away. He died. And they said, we're finished with Jesus Christ. We're finished with this teacher from Nazareth. We're finished with all this. Loving hands took the body and buried it in a tomb. And they said, we're finished with him. I want to tell you, they learned on the first day of the week that they were not done with Jesus Christ. He rose from the dead. Forty days later, he ascended to heaven. And I tell you, the truth of God, he's coming again. You see, we must speak about him. 
Because I tell you, not only is the gospel about the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul, in penning these words, says this, Christ Jesus came into the world. That's a historical fact. Do you notice what else he said? To save sinners. And I tell you now, this message is vital. We don't like that word, save. We don't like it at all. What does it mean to be saved? What do I need to be saved from? You might say, preacher, you've come all the way from Scotland. I don't need to be saved. My life's quite happy. <laughs> my circumstances are fine. I have my holidays. I have my car. You know, what do I need to be saved from? Why do you even use the word? I use the word because it runs right through the scriptures. Listen to a verse from the Old Testament. Look unto me and be ye saved. And the Lord Jesus spoke about salvation. And the Apostle Paul taught salvation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now who did he come to save? He came to save sinners. Who's a sinner? We're all sinners. I am. You are. I want to tell you tonight, if you never grasp the fact that you're a sinner, you'll never see the gates of heaven. I know. We must recognize that we are sinners. And I tell you, if you examine your own life, examine it honestly. Look into the inner recesses of your heart. I tell you, I sometimes ask children in Scotland, in schools, how many days do you live and, until you reach 70? Invariably the hands go up and they say millions. And somebody might put up their hand and say a million. Somebody might put up their hand and say 50,000. You're far out. Just in the region of 25,000. How many hours do you live? Oh, millions. No, 600 and odd thousand. It's not so long when you say that, is it? And if you sin once an hour, it's 600,000 sins to be dealt with. That's why you need saved. That's why you need God's salvation. Because the account book's too big. At the end of life, the account book of my sins would be thick, heavy to carry. It would condemn me. I've broken God's law. I've sinned. And the great and the glorious message of the gospel is that God did not ignore sinners. God has not turned his back on sinners. God has not ignored sinners because Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now what does it mean to get saved? To get saved is to be delivered, delivered from something from which you cannot deliver yourself. If somebody's drowning in the sea, somebody comes to save them. Save. It is to be delivered from a predicament from which you cannot deliver yourself. In other words, we're sinners. We cannot deliver ourselves from the penalty on sin. But Christ Jesus came into the world to do that very thing. I am not preaching tonight to tell you what good works you have to do to get saved. I'm preaching about a man who's done all the work, paid the price at Calvary, died for sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And we sometimes cry in Scotland, and just rightly so, hallelujah, what a saviour. And so this message is vital. Sin is an ugly thing. We can't wash it off. We can't shrug it off. Sin is a dark thing. And we must understand that sin is serious. And you say, well, if I get saved, what happens to me? What am I saved from? 
What you are saved from is God's eternal punishment and sin. And what you get if you put your trust in Jesus Christ tonight, not half an hour later, not a week later, not a month later, but the very moment you do it, you get eternal life as the gift of God and you're saved. And that gift can be given tonight. You don't pay for it. You don't work for it. You don't clean yourself up for it. You simply bow in the presence of God and say, I'm a guilty sinner deserving judgment. But I acknowledge that at the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus died for sinners like me. Christ Jesus came into the world to save. Praise God for that. This world needed a great, glorious, and grand rescue. And it's there for everybody, irrespective of age, irrespective of background, irrespective of anything. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I tell you, the message is reliable. The message is beneficial. I tell you, the message is historical. I tell you, the message is vital. And I tell you, finally, that the message is personal. Listen to this preacher. Sinners of whom I am chief. Ah, this man didn't quite wash his life. He didn't pretend that it was better than it was. He didn't put on a disguise. He said, look, when I look around, I'm the chief of sinners. He looked into his own soul, this religious man, and he said, I'm a sinner. And as he looked into his soul, he felt he was the worst sinner that ever was. Friends, tonight, you've come to hear a message that doesn't just whitewash you, doesn't just temporarily save you, but a message that's for eternity. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. That's what we're saying tonight. We have to believe. But at Calvary's cross, the Savior died for sinners. And we have to believe that simply trusting, that's what he's asking. Not your money, nothing like that. Just to trust and believe that at Calvary, the price was paid for guilty sinners like you and accept them as your Savior. This is a faithful Savior and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and as the Apostle adds, of whom I am chief. Yes, it's personal. The Apostle Paul took it personally. He discovered that he was a desperate sinner. There was a time in his life when he accepted the truth that Christ died for his sins. My friend, Nothing has changed down through the years. We are all sinners, and we need to have our sins forgiven in order to get right with a holy God. Paul trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, and we must do the same. It's a trustworthy statement. It's worthy that everyone should believe it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. How about it? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, 
please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior, and in times like these, you need an anchor.